Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. I wanted to give a trigger warning. There is talk of suicide in this episode. And then also I wanted to say I don't know what happened, but there are two separate times where Sherry's audio is messed up and I was not able to really do anything to fix it. So for that, I apologize and hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. As we know, my I've been talking to my friends about the cool, well, not necessarily always cool, but just the various aspects and things that have happened in their journey through life to get to where they currently are. Good things, bad things. It's important. And if you can, as a listener, learn from my friends' life stories, then I think that it's worth hearing about them. And plus, I get to know my friends a little better as we discuss this type of stuff. So, as is frequently the case on the show. It's somebody that I've known for a long time and went to high school with. <laughs> it's my friend, Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Jack. How's How it going? It's going fine. How are things in Alaska? Amazing. It's summertime and, you know, it's the weather has just been super great this summer so far. So can't complain. It's super hard to be jaded when you're here and you get to go out there and see all of the beautiful things that Alaska has to offer. That, yes, I, I have not been there. I've always wanted to go. Um, you are officially the first guest I've had on from Alaska. So okay. no one will ever be able to take that away from you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I guess Sherry will explain here in a minute how she ended up in Alaska because I, you know, people don't graduate from high school generally and think, you know what, I'm going to move to Alaska tomorrow. So there is a story on how she got to Alaska, but to get there, we have to go a little bit before how she got there. And it's like a Willy Wonka thing. You, you have to go through all of it to get to that part. So, <laughs> so Sherry, right. why don't you, uh, Sherry has basically had to start over after being married for a long time. And she's going to discuss that. And she's going to sort of start where her journey started. So I'm going to let you talk. And if I have a question, I'll wave at you and interrupt you. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, Jack actually had had the pleasure of meeting my ex-husband when we had our 20-year high school reunion because he did come to that. He did. Um, yes. So, um, yeah, um, I met my ex in Oklahoma. We went to rival high schools. And then back in the day, I would say, what, 30 years ago, because I met him in 91. Actually, maybe 30. Yeah, 31. 31. Yeah. We had um, this really cool thing that we would do called cruising. And <laughs> we, it was, it's 12th street. I don't know if they still do it. It used to be air Depot, but then 12th street. So me and a couple of my friends from high school were um, cruising the strip and met my soon to be boyfriend at the time. And we were cruising and saw, saw each other. Funny story is, is we didn't even like each other. We liked our friends. Uh -huh. He liked my friend. I liked his friend. So 
while we were trying to hook them up, we just kind of started talking and realized that we were both military brats and that, you know, both of our moms came from uh, foreign countries because my mom's British and his mom's German. And I took German in high school because I also went to a, uh, an international school. So I speak it fluently. So that was kind of like really cool. We had, we had realized that we had a lot of things in common. Needless to say, we decided that, yeah, let's, let's see how this goes. I mean, you know, we went on a first date that went really well. And it was the end of our senior year. So we both already have prom dates with other people. So we kept that. And then very honorable. Yes. I went, I went to prom with Jason. So that was pretty cool. Um, And let me think after graduation, he went off to a school in Arkansas And I stayed in Oklahoma and started at UCO. We would commute back and forth. He would come home on the weekends or I'd go to Arkansas and see him. That went on for about mm, two and a half years. Okay. A lot of ups and downs during that, you know, because of the separation and the long distance. It was hard. We broke up a few times, you know, and he, he was seeing other people. I never did. But eventually he came, came back from college and was like, you know what? School is not for me. He was pretty much partying the whole time. So he decided I'm going to join the air force. And I was like, yeah, well, good luck with that. Because I traveled my entire life and Mm -hmm. I was loving Oklahoma and didn't want to leave. He was like, okay. So we ended up breaking it off and he went off to, to basic training. Well, I got a phone call. I went on a road trip with some friends to Vegas and I got a phone call. And back in the day, we don't have the cell phones and things like that. We had the answer machines. Right. <laughs> so I come home from my Vegas trip to this really sad message on my answer machine, basically how how he made the biggest mistake and how he wanted to get married and all of this stuff. And I was just like, I'm not too sure about that. I think you're just lonely. And, you know, I spoke with his dad and his dad was like, if you're going to say no, you know, wait till he's finished with basics so they don't wash him back. And I ended going out to San Antonio to his graduation. And Uh yeah, he proposed to me in front of his whole squadron. You had no choice but to say yes. I had no choice. It was so embarrassing, but it was also nice, you know, and you know, I said, yes, I was 19. He was 19. Um, We had been dating since we were 17. And it went really quick. We had to come up with a date really quick because he was already done with basic training. And then he was starting his tech school in Wichita because at the time he was in the military for civil engineering. And so I basically wrapped up what I was doing at school because he had gotten his first duty assignment and it was going to be overseas. And I just wasn't ready for that. So he was able to switch his assignment to Oklahoma. Uh So yeah, we, his first assignment was at Tinker and he absolutely hated it because he wanted to get out of Oklahoma. Right. Um, 
We ended up getting married in March of 94. Super quick. We did it at the base chapel. We had a wonderful wedding. It was beautiful. And we spent three years in Oklahoma. Ended up having our uh, getting pregnant when I was 21 and lost my first child in at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, pretty traumatic for me. Um, it was in 95. I was there when the, the, the bombing happened, right? Like right up the street. Um, so it was kind of, kind of that whole year was just crazy for us. After I had my daughter in November, we got orders to England, uh, moved to England. Real, real quick. Was your mom happy about that? My mom was ecstatic. Yeah. She was like, yeah, because, you know, my, my grandparents were still alive at the time and um, all her brothers and sister, or well, she didn't have any sisters, but her sister-in-laws and all my cousins that I hadn't seen for years were still there. So yeah, it was, it was exciting for us. Um, one more question for you in this, I have to ask for my children. Are you a fan of Jaffa cakes, which are a completely English cookie? I love Jaffa cakes. <laughs> My kids were watching a series of YouTube videos from some content creators that live in England and they love Jaffa cakes. So I finally bought them some Jaffa cakes off of Amazon. Uh-huh. And by the time I paid for shipping and the conversion rate, that was like a $30 package of cookies. <laughs> but you know, yes. the things we do for our kids. Did they like it? They, they did. Okay, well then I guess it was worth I, it. <laughs> I enjoyed them as well. Yes, they, they are better quite... have liked them. <laughs> yes, for sure. For thirty bucks, you better have. Um, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. There's they're they're good. England has some really good um, cuisines, and yeah, it was a good time. We were there um, for four years, um, and the whole time we were there, he was in civil engineering. Met some great friends that I'm still friends with to this day from there. My second daughter, Mackenzie, she will be 26 this December. She was born over there. And uh, let me think. She was born at the Lake and Heath Hospital. And I was actually born at the Newmarket Hospital because I was born over in England as well. So that was kind of cool. And we had um, a really rough time. After the the death of our first daughter, um, and then you know we kind of shut down a bit. So we had we had some marital problems then. That that's typical though. I mean, yeah. you're not any different than necessarily a lot of other people. So right, and we also had you know something really huge happened to us at such a young age, and we were away from home and. You get the depression, you get, you know, the anxiety, all of that adds into the mix and being young. And then on top of that, getting pregnant the year after with the second child, her, my pregnancy with her was super, um, super rough. I was high risk for all of my pregnancies and we found out halfway through my pregnancy with her that Uh, she had a sacral dimple and they were concerned that she was going to have full-blown spina bifida. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So we went and saw specialists. Um, They would not let me go past 38 weeks because that was when I lost my first daughter. 
So I, I did go to term with Madison and it was, yeah, it was just pretty another traumatic thing when it was supposed to be a happy thing. Right. And thankfully she was born and her spinal cord was fine. Um, they, They were able to sew the hole and basically she would go back for to make sure that there was no spinal fluid leaking and stuff. But right. yeah, she turned out great. She played soccer. She played sports. You know, she graduated from college. She's doing her thing. So it didn't stop her. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um. While we were there, when we were getting ready to move back to the States, I had found out that he had had his first affair. Oh. Yeah. I was... I guess in shock because I thought everything was good. I didn't know what to do because I was at that point, I was 23 with a brand new baby and I just, I didn't know what to do. So we had already gotten orders to come back to the States and he was getting ready to cross train, meaning he didn't want to be in civil engineering anymore, that he wanted to be in the weather squadron. So he had to go back to tech school and I'm trying to think, yeah, we went to South Carolina. Well, right as we were leaving, I found out that I was pregnant with our sec, our third daughter and also high risk. They, um, he was going to tech school for four months. So I ended up going to my mom and dad's and stayed with them while he was in tech school just so that I could get, you know, the help that I needed with the little one. And if there was any complications with the new pregnancy. So were your parents still living in Oklahoma then, or had they, cause I know they moved later on. Yeah, um, they moved, they moved probably six months after I got married. Okay. <laughs> they, All right. they, yeah. They were ready to get out of Oklahoma. I think they stayed there because I was going to school and my parents, they always wanted to move back to Nevada because that's where my dad's from. So my dad got a job out there working for the range for the Navy pilots. Basically, it was part of Top Gun, which is really cool. Yeah, he was a range operator because my dad was also, um, he flew for um, AWACS, the E3s. That's what brought us to Oklahoma. And that's why he never left Oklahoma because he was on the A3 or the E3s. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we went to Oklahoma twice. We went to Washington once and then we were in Germany for like seven, eight years because they have an AWACS base there. And that's where I went to the international school. But um, yeah, so he went off to tech school and about oh, about a month and a half before Meredith was due, we moved to South Carolina, um, Sumter, which is Shaw. They call it Dumpster Sumter um, for a reason. <laughs> I was going to say that's usually crappy nicknames for military bases are well earned. Yes, uh, it was. Yeah, not my favorite place in the world. Meredith was born there um, at Shaw, and shortly after that birth was 9-11. Okay. Um, we were, we were in South Carolina on base when 9-11 happened, which was, you know, obviously pretty traumatic. 
Mackenzie was going to school off base right outside the gate. Well, as soon as that happened, the second plane hit, our base went to Delta. It shut down. You could not get on. You could not get off. They scrambled and um, because we had the jets at Shaw and at the time, Donald, yeah, at the time he was doing a Southwest Asia weather. And so they called him up and was like, you need to come in. I did not see him for four days. I, I believe that uh, yeah. as a mil- um, as an also military dependent yeah. and then someone that was in the army and then a dad of somebody in the, in the air force. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I didn't know when he was coming home, we didn't have any type of communication. Um, thankfully, you know, he was, he was still there um, on the base. They never made him leave, but he was there doing forecasts for the jets getting ready to roll out and do some damage right, to these right. things. Yeah. So let, we let were... me real quick though, because this is all within like a five, six month period of, am I getting this right? He mm-hmm. gets out of his tech school after getting his new career path. You had recently found out before all of that happened that he had wandering penis syndrome. <laughs> yeah. And but then you don't get to work that out because he's in tech school. And it's not like when someone's in tech school, they have a lot of free time for counseling or right. free time. So right. then you get back and this happens. So that had to have been on your part emotionally an incredibly uh, like major roller coaster type thing to be on. How- yeah, it certainly was. And, you know, I. I never really dealt with the death of our first child. Um, you know, it was quickly after that we moved, you know, we, we buried her in Oklahoma and then we moved. So, right. um, and then shortly after that I was pregnant. So it was, it was a whirlwind of things, you know, and then being high risk again and, you know, going through two different terrorist attacks, one where I was actually there in Oklahoma and then, 9-11 so and at that time I was now 25 no no because they're four or five years apart so Mackenzie was born in 96 and Meredith was born in 2000 so yeah and then we had you know the the 9-11 and yeah it was it was tough being away from home and being a single mom at the time, if you will, because when you're married to the military, you're quite often a single parent, whether it be the man or the woman, that's the dependent. I had, I had been working full time. I worked my entire marriage and basically, uh, he, well, I want to say maybe six months after 9-11, um, found out that he was having an affair with one of the girls he was supervising. So yeah, it sounds like he definitely had a pretty bad case of wandering penis syndrome. Oh, WPS <laughs> as it's known in the medical community. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was pretty bad because he ended up getting an article 15 out of that. Um, which getting- affected you and your kids. That's the thing that always pisses me off about Article 15s is it doesn't just affect that person. It affects their whole family. Absolutely. 
And, you know, at this time now I had a, I had a five-year-old and a um, brand new baby. So it was basically damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation. Um, We ended up, I had separated from him for a short amount of time and he had convinced me that it was going to be the last time. And we went to counseling and it seemed to be doing well. We got orders to get the heck out of there. And we went to Germany, stationed in Germany for five years at Spangdalem. That is where my youngest was born. So my fourth daughter, Isabella, was born. Now, mind you, all three of my girls had birth defects as well. Meredith was born um, with an umbilical hernia. So she had, you know, most of her intestines were outside of her stomach. And they had... Yeah, they had to, you know, kind of push everything back in, make sure it was um, going to heal. So she spent a lot of time going back and forth to the hospital. And yeah, such it was, it was always something with us, <laughs> always something. <laughs> and then, you know, in Germany, Isabella was born with, uh, she had um, quite a high level of bilirubin. So she was born jaundice. Right, right. Um, they kept her in the NICU for two weeks because they couldn't stabilize it. So that was a pretty traumatic birth. He ended up having um, one that I knew about, but three different affairs while we lived in Germany. And I, I never strayed. You know, I just, I just always just focused on my daughters because at the end of the day, they have to look at their mom and know that I'm doing the right thing as best I could. Right. We ended up moving there. We went to North Carolina for five years. No hope, Pope. Right. Um, We were told (laughs) you're never leaving there. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, it was horrible. We lived in Vietnam. Um, (laughs) Vietnam. (laughs) Yeah. That's a pretty good, bad nickname for that. Yes. So, you know, we had great overseas bases and then came stateside and they were awful. <laughs> well, you know, they can't all be all be winners, right? No, you know, no. I mean, what are you yeah. going to what are you going to do um, as a quick aside, though? This is something cool that you did that happened while you were in North Carolina, if I have this correctly. That is when and I mean this in the most positive sense of the term. You were the biggest loser. Absolutely. Yeah, I was. (laughs) Um, He had gotten um, orders to Afghanistan, I believe, or Kuwait. He went to Kuwait for six months. And, you know, in high school, I was athletic. I was never overweight. I was always, you know, active. But with all of these traumas that I dealt with in the time that we were married, I put on like almost 150 pounds. So I was pushing um, pretty close to 300, if not over. As an emotional eater, I uh, 100% sympathize with that being the, the correct and appropriate response. Yeah. That's not really the correct and appropriate response, but it's probably better than cocaine. So. Yeah, I never did the drugs, but I mean, I guess my my food addiction was my drug. 
Um, my dad was diagnosed with type two diabetes when we lived in uh, North Carolina. Um, and he, he actually got type two from being sprayed with agent orange in Vietnam. And okay. they kind of connected, they connected the dots to why I was having issues with my pregnancies that quickly after Vietnam, I was born. Right. So it, they kind of linked all of the birth defects to the agent orange issue. So, you know, I found out that my dad had diabetes and here I am at 300 something pounds and I was miserable. I was depressed. I just did not think very well of myself. And I went to the gym one day on Fort Bragg and I walked in and I saw the sign and I walked up to the thing and uh, the guy that was the, 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 uh, the head uh, trainer for that program, he looked at me and he was like, no, you shouldn't sign up for this. You're not going to win. Um, I, he's like, there are people that are way more dedicated than you. And they come to the gym all the time. And I guess they kind of pissed me off a little bit. I could, <laughs> I could see why for somebody it's, you know, a gym trainer or whatever, that's probably the wrong approach to take to somebody unless yeah. you're trying to maybe piss them off. I don't know, but it just seems. <laughs> yeah. He was very, um, very demeaning. I'm very, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but he just was very discouraging and just did not think that I could do it. I signed up anyways. Um, I ended up having him for three sessions as my trainer and it was, it was not fun. So I ended up going to actually quit. And there was another trainer there, a female, and she had heard everything that I went through. And she had followed me out into the parking lot and said, let me train you. Um, I will do it on my time. You don't have to sign up. I just want to show this chauvinistic pig that you can do this. And she was the best thing that ever happened to me. We are still friends. She is still a huge, big supporter of me. Just amazing. I ended up losing in the six months, um, almost a hundred pounds. That's impressive. Yes. I went from a size 24 to a size eight. Basically when Donald came back from uh, Kuwait, he didn't even recognize me. I ended up going in and having my, my way in after the six, it was six months that we did the biggest loser and yeah, I blew them all out of the water, my body fat, my inches, everything. So yeah, I ended up winning the military biggest loser. Um, did, did you tell that trainer, uh, a phrase that started with F and ended with you afterwards? Oh, no. I, I, had, <laughs> I had the biggest smile on my face, and that was enough just to watch him be like WTF, you know? Yeah. Um, I know he was kicking himself because those trainers, they got bonuses when their clients won right. those competitions. Well, um, you know, at, at Fort Bragg, they were always bringing in like movie stars and, and sports figures and stuff. Well, Sean T, he was the insanity guy. He ended up coming out to Fort Bragg and doing a show and I was on it. 
featured cool. by one of the losers. Yeah. And it was super cool. I got to meet him and, and it was, yeah, a lot of things that I got to experience. So in North Carolina, again, more affairs. Right. Right. Yeah. Now we, now that we've covered the cool part of the being a big loser. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Let's well, move on then, to the not so cool parts again. <laughs> well, for me, it was kind of cool at well, that the, point because, you know, I had part. lost, I had lost all that weight that I was starting to get attention outside right. of the marriage from, from men. And I was not used to that. You know, I right. never was the girl that attracted these guys during the marriage and, um, you know, also living on a military base. You got tons of tons of men that are just fighting at the heel. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I never did. It was it was a huge a bo- a huge boost for my ego. You know, it it gave me more confidence. I was able to come out of my shell a little bit more and I started standing up to him and I ended up leaving him for 7 months. And we, I was going to file for divorce, but in Oklahoma, you have to be separated for a year and go through counseling because we were married in Oklahoma because we had children. Right. It was a requirement. Yeah. So we, we ended up reconciling and, you know, went through therapy and it was great. I was happy. We got orders to Alaska and that was what I've been here almost 10 years now. And, you know, he came home one day and was like, Hey, how do you feel about going to Alaska? And I was like, heck yeah. As a vacation, he goes, no, to live. He goes, I got orders. So I was like, let's do this. Cause we had always talked about retiring here. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, you know, he had one more, one more tour on his 20, 20 years that he had to do to, to retire. And so what better place to, than somewhere we wanted to live at? Right. Um, came to Oklahoma. It was amazing. Three years. We, we were great. Um, there were no affairs. There were no, you know, of course you would have your ups and downs and stuff, but he ended up retiring in 2017. And shortly after retirement in July, he got a contracting position over in Afghanistan. Um, and it was a three-year contract. Well, you know, we're thinking, let's do this. Um, we've done this our entire marriage. We're right. in a good place. Um, Mackenzie was about to get married. And, you know, we wanted to be able to pay for her wedding. We wanted to get out of debt and move forward in life because it was coming really quick. Yeah. And contractor pay when you go to a place like Afghanistan or Iraq or Kuwait is generally pretty damn good and much better than military money. Oh yeah. It was six figures tax free. Yeah. And you're thinking, you know, three years of that. Oh yeah. We were, we had planned all kinds of things to get out of debt. Just, it was, it was a good time for us. I was happy, you know, his retirement went well. He retired after 24 years, um, you know, when I was married to him the whole time and got that position went to Afghanistan and he was there for about a year and a half and they canceled his contract because he was having an affair with another contractor the entire time he was there. Yeah, that's, 
he was living a double life because I had no clue. Like he would come on and, and um, video chat. He would come home. It was just, I had no idea this time. I was happy. He seemed happy. We were going on trips. We went to Ireland. We went to Disney right. World. You know, I'll just, things were good. He ended up coming home in the beginning of 2019. And I found out about the affair and kicked him out he got right. home in january and we split up in february it it is amazing how serial cheaters it's never looked at as if they live a double life but they people that do that do live a double life and it's not just men women whoever you know whatever your relationship status is the serial cheater is generally speaking very good at living that sort of double life and hiding things and it it's almost from the person being cheated on has to be weird in a way to feel like, I think I knew this person, but there's like this ghost part of them that I have no idea who that is. That, no. that has to be weird. Oh, absolutely. Like he, he was, we had very similar personalities. You know, I'm an extrovert. He's an extrovert. He's very charming. He's smart. He was good looking. He was funny, you know, and everybody was always like, you know, let's, let's hang out with them. They're, they're the cool couple. They're the happy couple, you know, and little did people know that I was living a personal hell. Yeah. Um, I was married to a narcissist. He would gaslight me. He would emotionally and mentally mess with my head. Um, he never got physical. So, you know, at the end of the day, I almost wish it was physical because trying to get out of that type of trauma, it was hard. Yeah. Um, when he, when I finally left him in February of 2019, I hit rock bottom. I tried to commit suicide. I was, I was a mess. Um, yeah. After well, my, I'm sorry to hear, I knew you were having a rough time, but I didn't know that it was like that bad for for you but of course yeah. i didn't know the whole backstory either of nobody did that many affairs nobody you know what i mean knew. i knew there had been one at the end mm -hmm. but i didn't know the 412 that took place before that which so i mean yeah. that explains why you were in the place that you were in because yeah. especially with all of the other parts going on you can't help but to think it was you Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was told many times if I was a better wife or, you know, if you had talked or listened to me and it was always me, 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 and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing as a wife. It was never his fault. It was right. always, you know, that that's how great of a gaslighter he was, how charming he was. And, you know, I thought that I loved him to the point, you know, that I deserved it. I really thought that it was my fault. I came out of that pretty, you know, messed up. And yeah. my daughter just happened to be home. I thought she was at school. And had she not been here, they would have come home to a mess. Yeah. That's, um, you know, well, I'm glad it, that she was home uh, playing uh, ditch in school that day. Uh, yeah. She did not ditch school, but she was sick, but I didn't know that. Um, my, my oldest daughter was like, yeah, um, I'm going to let her stay home. So um, 
Yeah, it was, it was traumatic. Um, I had great support system from um, my girls. I had, you know, my mom and dad, or no, at this time, my dad had passed in 2016, but my mom, you know, she supported everything that I did. Even my in-laws, you know, they were great. I knew though, that after that attempt that I was not going to get better unless I got help. Right. Um, I called the first person I saw online and it was called a good life journey. And I was like, you know what? I need to get on that. I need this. I called her. She actually, usually an answer machine picks up or, you know, and then she'll call back. But I started leaving a message and she picked up the phone because she said she could hear the desperation in my voice. And she talked to me for about an hour and a half and said, yes, I will be your therapist. Um, You know, she talked me off the ledge. She is still my therapist three years later. Am I well? Yes, I am. I am well. Do I need therapy? Um, No, I don't think I do. But I also, I also think that it still gives me the boost that I need um, to be able to talk to somebody that knows what I went through for three years. We reconciled shortly after that because my daughter was getting married in 2019 and she did not want her dad there. And I would, I did not want her to regret that. So I reconciled and we had the wedding in August. Everything was wonderful. We went through therapy, marriage counseling. And then in February of uh, 2020, he comes to me. I'm out in the garage working out. He comes out there and goes, I can't be that man for you. Uh, I just, I can't be that person that you need me to be. And I said, okay. There, there had to have been a part of you that knew that that was probably coming eventually. Oh, I did. I was always, it was always on edge. I was always waiting for that other shoe to drop. You know, it was, I could never have a good time because I always thought when this good time is over, it's going to drop. And that was, that was the, the norm. It was the up and down the roller coaster of my life. And I had made a decision. You walk out that door it's not ever going to happen again. He ended up getting a, uh, moved out and I was like, okay. I stayed in the home with my daughters. We, we remained friends and civil for a while. We kept trying to get divorced and things happened. COVID happened. You know, you, you end up knowing you're either going to like somebody or not like somebody when you're stuck with them for COVID. He, um, he ended up moving back to the house, but not in the same room because, you know, he had gotten sick and had a couple of surgeries because of his military career. He, he's, he's 90% VA disabled, but you Mm. know, he's, he's still able to work, but yeah, it was, it was tough. I, question every day if it was the right thing you know I would talk to my girls am I doing the right thing and then when my daughters said yeah you are mom you deserve to be happy you need to go on with your life 
And, you know, he wasn't concerned about you when he was doing those things. So move forward. Right. Right. And you know what? I did. Um, I thought about it. I thought about reconciling, but at the end of the day, no, I didn't. It was tough. Yeah. I, I would say that you gave, you did better than the old college try, so to speak. You definitely gave yeah. every opportunity and every chance to end then some. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it was tough, but I, I agree with your daughters. You made the right, and you, you made the right choice. And Yeah. I decided to go public too. Um, <laughs> I kind of lost my mind a little bit and kind of put a blurb out on Facebook because I, I, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I had hit, I had hit that. It was a, it was a um, part of my life that I was ashamed of. You know, I thought it was me and I hid that from so many people they all thought that we were so happy and, you know, I was suffering in silence. He had an alcohol problem. He still does, but won't admit it. And it was, it was a silent hell. It was awful not being able to talk to people about what I went through. And I did, I just came out and I, I posted it on Facebook because people were asking questions. Why are you getting divorced? We thought you were happy. And I just got tired of it. I literally got tired of people trying to talk us into staying married. So I, as you know, put it all out there. It kind of blew up. (laughs) Um, I had, I had friends calling me saying we had no idea. And then I had friends calling me and saying they knew they knew about him cheating and they never told me. Yeah. Um, I I have been on that side of it and it is incredibly awkward to know that a spouse is cheating on the other spouse because you are in this major conundrum of what, what do I do here? Yeah. I mean, I understand to an extent why they didn't get involved, but knowing that they saw some of the stuff that I was going through that they never like stepped up for me. Um, Needless needless to say, um, I'm not friends with a lot of them. There are a few that I stayed friends with because they did have the best intentions. Um, and they were, they were, uh, you know, in a conundrum at that point, they didn't know what to do. Um, but then there were some that knew a lot more than I knew and that I thought were just, you know, my good friends. And it was embarrassing to know that I had went all that time and these people knew what was happening behind my back. And I didn't. Yeah, they're like, wow, we're so sorry. He cheated on you 34 times. And you're like, 34? I thought it was only 18. Uh, <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. That is exactly what happened. Because I didn't know about half of those. And once I posted it on Facebook, people came out of the woodworks. Females that he had, had affairs with that wanted to apologize to me. Oh, my God. Two things. Um, One, yeah. you're probably, if this is something you don't want to share, fine. I totally understand. If you didn't get an STD, you're incredibly lucky. If you did, totally his fault, not yours. And two, mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't have your daughters do a DNA test because they may have a lot of siblings that they don't know about. 
<laughs> you know, I do. We joke about that all the time. I keep waiting for somebody to knock on my door and go, are you my daddy? <laughs> Does my <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crossed my mind many times. But at the end of the day, that's not my problem. That's definitely his now. Yeah. He'll, um, he'll be the one paying the child support for those. <laughs> uh, yes. And he is... Uh, at the beginning of this year, he, he wanted me to reconcile with him. And I was like, no, I'm done. I don't want to be with you. I want, I want this over with. And so he got really angry and was like, okay, cause we had decided that we were going to do a dissolution and work on it and, um, not go to court. Cause we had agreed on a lot of the stuff and, he got angry because I wouldn't try again and was like, you better get a lawyer. Okay. That same night, that that same night I ended up calling uh, a friend of mine who had been giving us both legal advice on how to, you know, dissolve the marriage um, civilly and, and easily. Well, I called her up and she said, absolutely. I will. I will be your lawyer. That was in March. I am not divorced yet. It is supposed to be final the end of August. Um, We have been back and forth to court. It's been one thing after the other. But I can honestly say that when you just don't care or think about the other person anymore, it's done. Right. It's, It's done. I don't have any feeling towards him. I don't. I don't hate him. I don't like him. I just, he's just there. He frustrates the hell out of me. Right. (laughs) Because, you know, he still thinks that I'm going to cave and do everything he wants me to do. But getting a lawyer was the the worst thing he could have done because I was not asking for much. And my lawyer was like, oh, yes, you are. You're going to get everything you're entitled to. You're going to get the half of retirement. You're going to get child support, you know, and at the time I was okay with just the child support um, because we were both paying half of the mortgage because I was going to stay living here until Izzy um, graduated from high school. And yeah, he ended up getting the raw end of the deal and is not very happy with how things turned out. Well, to the be fair, he did it to himself. hundred percent. hundred percent. I don't feel bad anymore. You know, I did. There was times where I was like, well, I don't want their dad to live in a shoebox. I want him to be able to afford a home so that they could go visit him and things like that. But, you know, the whole time he was separated for me, he was out dating and, and having a good time. And the girls were seeing this and it was, it was, it was very rough on them as well. Yeah. And yeah. So my oldest daughter moved to Georgia and then just day after my birthday month, when I turned 49, she moved, my middle daughter moved to Georgia with her boyfriend. So my daughter and son-in-law and other daughter and boyfriend all live in Georgia. So it's just me and Izzy right now here. I have two roommates. Um, One of them is Meredith's best friend. Um, And the other one was also 
Meredith's best friend, but her and I have become super close. Um, we go to the gym together. We do everything <laughs> together. Um, yeah, she's, yeah, she was a light in the time where I was just really, I needed that, I needed that companionship and I was not ready to have that companionship with a man. I did have a short relationship last year with a man that I knew for a very, very long time. And it ended because I was not well. I had not dealt with a lot of the stuff and he had just come out of a bad marriage himself. So we didn't really deal with that. We were, I think that was our, I don't want to say rebound, but he definitely helped me back to being able to be, you know, okay with myself and that men actually looked at me and he, he definitely boosted my, my confidence. I mean, he was, he was a good person for me. Um, him and I are really, really good friends. I, I adore him. I, I love him. And yeah, if we could try again, I would be all for it now. Cause we're both great. Um, right. we talk, we talk every day. Um, <laughs> My ex actually knows him and was really angry when he found out. <laughs> I've always found that that funny when somebody's a cheater or a serial cheater. And then when like a divorce happens or the breakup, whatever, and then the other person starts dating. If it happens to be someone, just them starting dating tends to piss them off. But it's someone that they knew. It makes it even worse. And it's like, dude, you what? The mental gymnastics that you yeah. need for this is insane. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was my friend. Why would you do that? And I'm like, are you serious at the moment? You know, you you had an affair with one of our babysitters. No, I don't feel bad for this. And so when I told him the guy that I was um, dating, he said, we were never friends. We were work acquaintances because I was more friends with you because of my wife. At the time, her and I were pretty good friends and never once did either of us look at each other as, oh, I'm going to have an affair with him or we're going to get into a relationship. And I think that's why it worked, because we never saw each other like that throughout the time we were married. We were friends. I 100 percent see him like that now, (laughs) you know, and and I do believe I do believe he sees me that way, too. Dating sucks. It I'll, sucks. I'll take your word for it. It is horrible. I mean, you need to stay with that woman of yours because she's amazing. But um, it's not fun. Um, <laughs> I have, I got on all the way the dating apps because COVID. And I was, I was starting to get lonely. It's been three years since we've been separated. And my girls actually made a couple of my dating websites. And then they made me a Snapchat, which is hilarious because I'm 49 and I have a Snapchat. Yeah, we have a group chat on there and it's fun. I love it. You know, um, we get on there, especially now that the older two are in another state. We have a lot of fun on there. But being on these dating sites, apparently I'm a hot commodity. You know, I'm. I'm a MILF. <laughs> hey, you know what? Take it. Take it. Be a MILF. It cracks me up because I have these young guys in their 20s being like, yeah, 
we want to get with you. We want to, and it was never, I'm not looking for hookups. I want, I want, I want to marry for love this time. Um, I thought I was marrying for love last time, but I didn't know what love was. It was very abusive. Um, you know, I, I was brainwashed. I know what I want. I'm, I'm doing well. I work in the same job that I've had for 28 years. I am an accountant slash program assistant for the youth programs out here. And I love my job. Um, The support system there has been amazing. I've gotten, you know, so many friends out of, out of that. And uh, yeah, I've had a few dating ups and downs. My very first Tinder date, I, I got the tar beat out of me. That is not good. Yeah. And I did not want to go on any way, shape or form. Nope. I didn't want to go on any more dates. Um, So I basically, I withdrawed for a while. Um, And then at the end of last year, I started dating again and I'm having a good time because I'm dating for me. Um, Right. Um, we joke about it and it's Stella got her groove back type of thing. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, um, it's been, it's been very, the last couple of months have been really good for me because well, I've good. just, I've just taken expectations out and I'm just living life. Now, let me also tell you though, I did end up getting help because, you know, going through therapy, that's wonderful, but it's not, it's not a shame, shameful thing to say that you're depressed and you couldn't do it on your own. Um, I went to my doctor who I've been seeing for 10 years and, you know, he knew what I was going through. And I said, I, I'm not sleeping. I'm a mess during the day and I need help. I need to be put on some type of medication. He uh, put me on Lexapro for night. It basically mm-hmm. shuts your brain down so you can sleep. And I'm on Wellbutrin during the day. And I'm on the highest dosage for Wellbutrin. And I'm on a mid dosage for the Lexapro. Night uh, and day. There is there is nothing to be ashamed of if you're taking an antidepressant. I, too, take Wellbutrin. I had taken it in the past. I was doing okay. And then... Uh, as you know, last year, my mother passed away and that was sort of actually your, my mom and your dad, very similar Mm -hmm. um, there at the end. And I think what I ended up doing was I sort of pre-mourned my mom because I knew that it was coming. And then afterwards I went through this period and people would be like, Oh, how are you feeling? And it makes me sound shitty, but I wasn't necessarily feeling anything. Oh yeah. Good or bad. And I was like, I should be feeling something. So I went to my doctor and just sort of told him what was going on, said, hey, I need to be on something. I've taken Wellbutrin in the past. It's worked for me. So he put me on, like you, the highest dosage of Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin, And it has made a big difference for me. Yeah. And then also after the what we went through with Emily earlier this year, I very quickly realized I'm going to have to talk to somebody after this. This is... This is more than I can handle mentally by myself. And yeah. with that type of situation, because it's your kid, 
you can't necessarily put share all your feelings with your spouse because they're going through the same difficult issue right. you're going with with. And if we're passing this back and forth, you just make each other feel worse. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so yeah. I we're both in, you know, therapy dealing with that issue. And therapy works and it, it's good to go to. So if yeah. you're listening, don't be ashamed if you think you need to talk to a therapist. Talk to a therapist. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a lot of my friends say, you know, oh, that doesn't work for me. And I'm like, that's because you are going into it with a closed mind and not taking out of it everything that you can possibly get out of it. Therapy is not fun. You find out what a douchebag you are, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Hey, you're, you're not as great as you thought you were. Um, There was a lot of hard pills for me to have to swallow that, you know, I, I let some of this stuff happen and, you know, knowing that I, in a way I messed up my girls, but I didn't, you know, they have relationship issues. They're happy now because they see me getting the help that I need. Um, They have uh, a couple of them have gotten onto the antidepressants as well. And I'm an advocate. Like anytime somebody wants to know, I'm like, yeah, I tried to kill myself. Yes. Here's the thing. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I did the best that I could do at the time. And it was, it was me giving a hundred percent and I am in a place now where I am happy. Yes. I'm looking for my other half. I don't know if I ever want to get married, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone. I am looking for that life partner. Um, You know, I, I do, I'm 49 years old and I thought I had my life figured out. I thought I was going to be married for the rest of my life. And, you know, we're in that next stage of our life because we only have one more kid left here going to high school. I was looking forward to spending that time and traveling and doing things with my husband. Um, And that was taken away from me. I didn't have that choice. Um, It was literally stripped from me. My entire thing that I had put together my, you know, in, if you will, my dynasty, my, the life that we created, it was, it was a joke. I, yeah. it was a litter joke to me. I, I thought about what part of my marriage was real. You know, you yeah. really do. You sit there and you have that hard time, but I, I'm glad that I'm where I'm at now. Um, I was very unhappy very, very unhappy. Um, I was, you know, like I said, emotionally and mentally abused. I was brainwashed. I, I'm able to make decisions for myself. I'm independent. I have a great job. I have great friends. Yeah. And if I'm alone for the rest of my life, at least I'm going to be happy and I don't have to worry about somebody cheating on me. That's true. His, uh, (laughs) Uh, his future ex-wife is the one that's currently dealing with him cheating on, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it kind of is like, go for it, man. He can be your problem now. You know, I'm. I I found out he was dating. I was happy. I was happy for him yeah. because I don't have to deal with that anymore. It's right? not my circus. Yeah, yeah. You know? I I've always found it funny when somebody's been married, whatever, one of the persons cheat, 
you know, and then that person ends up mm-hmm. with the person they cheated with. And then they cheat on that person and that person's like shocked. And I always like, how could you have been shocked? You were the other woman at one point. How, how is that surprising to you? <laughs> right. 100%. 100%. It should have been um, expected. And then also <laughs> tying into this, when I was active duty in the army, when we were, I was at a training thing at Fort Polk, Louisiana. And this one dude, was just upset because his wife he had discovered had been cheating on him. And finally I was like, dude, do you want to hear a hard truth? And he goes, yeah. It's like, what profession did your wife had when you guys first met? And he was like, oh, she was a stripper. And I was like, what profession <laughs> does she currently have? And he goes, she's a stripper. And I go, how many dudes had she been married to before you and he's like i'm the fourth husband and i go and she cheated on the other three with the person that she met stripping and he goes yes and i go and you were that the one that ruined the third one and he goes yeah i was like is this really surprising yeah i mean the signs were kind of there just a little bit (laughs) no they have their little horse blinders on that's what i like to call it you know I knew, I knew it was going to continue happening. Um, I just had to be the one to actually make that decision, you know, and I was terrified, terrified because I didn't know if I would be able to make it financially. I didn't know, you know, if I was going to be able to support my girls and yeah, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, So let me ask you one last question, though, because we are getting sort of to the end of our time. What would your advice be for someone that is in a similar situation? Should they go ahead much earlier on? Say in your case, if in 2010, you would have, that would have been the end for you. Should they go ahead and end it sooner when you kind of realize this might be habitual? Or should they? continue to try to I guess stick it out and make it work and go through counseling because yeah. you've really kind of experienced the whole sort of thing that can happen in that type of situation yeah. so what would your advice be to say 35 year old you or 40 year old you um you know, I, I don't regret staying married as, as long as I have, because I have my girls. They are a, an amazing part of my, my life. I traveled. I, I think everybody's situation is different. Um, you know, you have people, I was that person that said, oh, if I ever got cheated on, I'll leave. Right. And, and I didn't. And until it happens to you, you can't know what you're going to do. You know, I can tell you now that if I didn't have children, I would have left a long time ago, Okay, a long time ago, 35 year old me. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to say. Um, No, it's a difficult question because your life wouldn't be the life you have now. If at 35, you would have left. So, right. No, I, I totally get it. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong type thing because it's different for everyone I mean if I would have seen the hurt that I was going to go through in the next you know 15 years yes 
I would have left at 35, but you can't predict the future. You want the right. best. You, you want to see the best in people that you love, you know, of and I, did. I thought, I thought I knew this person. Um, I don't, I don't know him at all, you know, and I'm not perfect. I brought, I brought trauma to the, to the table too. Um, but that's something I have to deal with. I'm not able I wasn't able to be in a healthy relationship with somebody because I was in a codependency. So right. now I am doing well. I have worked on myself to get better and I'm ready. I'm ready for that part of my life. Now, I can't say that at 35, I would have been anywhere close to where I am now in the maturity level or, or where I would actually be. I think probably I would be worse off. Just because, you know, the experiences that I did have, my job opportunities. Yeah. Um, I do, I do say get help, get therapy. If you're going through this at a young age and you don't see it changing, get out, run, do, Mm -hmm. do, do the best you can. Um, But definitely get some therapy for yourself. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And just one last question. I guess your mom is still here in the in the U.S. She my mom didn't is. go back to England. I guess at this point, she's probably just as much as an American as she is a an English person at this point. Yeah, she is an American citizen. Um, she still lives in Nevada. Um, she at one point she was going to move up here, but you know my dad's my dad's buried in Nevada, and that's all she's known yeah. was him. So she, she ended up staying there. Yeah. yeah. She's, she and I had a pretty um, tumultuous relationship growing up, but we're pretty close now. Okay. Um, I know I can call her and, and talk to her about things, but before I didn't. And I know that hurt my mom quite a bit because when she found out about all of this, she was like, why didn't you ever tell me? And I, you know, I was ashamed. I, I, didn't want to bring that to the table because my parents had a good marriage. My yeah. in-laws have been married for over 50 years. You know, I'm going this past March was 28 years for me. Yeah. Yeah. 28 years of my life. I have been an Odom longer than I was a graph. I, I, I know you guys actually got married just a few months before we did our, yeah. Cause our anniversary is the end of this month. Yeah. 94 as well. So so yeah but you know not everybody can be as you know just such a perfect awesome amazing individual as i am so (laughs) (laughs) i concur yeah it's it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way yeah it's (laughs) funny though you know i think about our our friendship jack because in high school we didn't barely knew each other we had um friends same friends and that's right. how we knew each other. And then after high school is when you and I connected and, and have stayed in touch. And it's, it's been one of my best friendships. Oh, you well, know? thank you. We've I been through a lot that. together. We know? have. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's weird how that sort of works out. A lot of the people that I was friends with at that during that time, I have almost zero communication with and people that I was just not that we hated each other, but we're acquaintances. Like we're just great friends now. And it, 
it's really, I, I don't it have is. a problem with that. I think it's great, but you know, <laughs> it's how life works out sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, it's about time really to, to wrap it up because the longer okay. it goes, the more editing I have to do. But <laughs> um, I will say, if you're curious, when the next time you're at the grocery store and you go through the international food section and get some Jaffa cakes, and if they're not labeled as Jaffa cakes, they're, they're little cookies that have an orange marmalade that are mm -hmm. dipped in chocolate. And they're quite, yes. quite yummy. Very, very yummy. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I appreciate you coming on. I know that it's a little uh, difficult trying to operate between a central time zone and Alaska standard time zone uh, yeah. swing uh, between the two, but I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. I know that, you know, it's a pretty serious weighty subject that talking about sort of your life when that's what's happened. But as I said earlier, um, this might be the thing that somebody needs to get them through a similar situation and that makes it worth it. So. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like if my story can help somebody and, you know, know that you're not alone, that, you know, I did have good friends, but I was alone, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of my life anymore. And I was, but yeah, that's absolutely. a good place to be. Yeah. So I support you from that and I'm happy for you, obviously, you. <laughs> but I anyway, I'm going to sign off everybody. I'm going to end as I always do. Of course, I try to always set this to a standard that I know that most of us will never achieve because we can't be as awesome as the people that are the person I'm about to mention. But remember everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button. This podcast is a production of Hyper Focused Media.